Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they killed how many of those <laughs> teenagers that look like they're 40? Uh, and we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps, and I'm here with Elizabeth Helley and Tyler Hymanson. And the scream train hey. keeps on rolling. <laughs> <laughs> they're college students now. That's right. We're back talking about Scream 2. Cruise Control. No. I should have called it Screams. Just the dollar sign. (laughs) I just talked last week about how there's no uh, stupid subtitles and it's refreshing. Stop putting subtitles in. Screams. Screams. That would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. See. They didn't even still time. They didn't even do that with Scream 5. They could have done it with Scream 5. But Mm -hmm. there is no Scream 5. It's just Scream. Um, anyways, <laughs> we're not there yet, okay? Yeah, Quit moving ahead. We're talking about Scream 2 <laughs> from 1997. One year later. Popping it out. That's right. right. Yeah. Like, away. Although although all of the cast look like they aged 10 years. Uh, I think it's the hair, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, uh, but before, look, 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 before we get too far. Yes. Thank you for being here. And Eliz, where can people, you know, reach out to us? Send us an email to sequelrights at gmail.com or reach out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube at Sequel Rights. And please rate and review us wherever you're listening. Uh, helps other people find the podcast. If you've already done so, share out the link to this episode uh, to let people know that we're back on the air, back and talking about stab. I mean, scream. <laughs> I mean, screams. Screams. I mean, Teen Wolf. Scream. <laughs> scream 2. 200. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we're, we're back. You know, last week was our uh, first brand new episode for 2023. And, you know, I was getting everything ready and looking back on the previous year. And I was like, oh, my God, did we only do one franchise last year? We were slacking so hard. We only did Cheaper by the Dozen. <laughs> Look, it's not our fault that so many sequels had re-entries and yeah. came back out of nowhere. That's true. Right. It's true. We, grave. We, we, we filled our uh, end of the year with a bunch of check-ins, which was really fun, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're excited to be doing Scream at the start of the year here. Uh, and if you're a new listener, thanks for being here. Uh, hopefully you can catch us uh, all year round doing uh, some new franchises here and there. Um, but yeah, why don't we get right into it with 1997 Wes Craven directed Scream 2. What do you want? It's showtime. Windsor College students were murdered last night during a sneak preview of the new movie Stab. Do you think the killer will strike again? We have no evidence that this is a serial killer. Who's doing this, Dewey? I don't know, Sid, but I'll find him. Hello? The way I see it, someone's out to make a sequel. You know, cash in on all the movie murder hoopla. So it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, death scene follows much more elaborate. More blood, more gore. Carnage candy. <laughs> Randy coming in with the rules of the sequel, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get to later. I want to talk about that a little bit more once uh, once we get um, further into the movie here. But... Uh, let's, uh, let's start off, you know, uh, this is again, um, you know, last week we talked about Elis, how this was your first time experiencing yes. some of the screen movies. And I think all of the screen movies, right? Yeah. So 
Again, this is your first time seeing this one. Yeah. What were your thoughts uh, at the start here other than uh, they immediately addressed one of your critiques from last week? Right. The black people were here, um, but because they were here immediately, I was like, oh, they're going to die real fast because this is the cold open. Yep. Um, yep. So, but, and they you know. did call out the fact that that was going to happen to them. Right. So... And and they weren't the they also were not the only black characters like yes, there were some indeed. other black characters throughout yeah um but yeah no I mean I thought the cold open was really good and funny um you know Jada um with a shaved head yeah. uh, which we will not name. speak about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looked great it looked yes. great okay that's all I would say no she she looks great she was yeah. great in this oh, yeah. yeah and um is it, it's just really funny it's. It's kind of messed up because they go in and everyone's like, they're like, oh, here's your free cost. I was like, oh my God, this is like so pre 9-11, pre Dark Knight shooting, pre everything. Like this would literally never happen. Also, Wes Craven has contempt for horror fans because this is a premiere of a movie and everybody is like treating it like it's a Rocky Horror Christmas. Right. So everyone's going insane, (laughs) running around, fake stabbing each other, screaming, jumping around. And (laughs) Jada like says one or two things at the screen. She's like, oh no, don't do that. And someone shushes her in her face. I'm like, why are you shushing it's like, her? It's, it's, it's literally bedlam around you, and yeah. you're shushing Jada for I, saying like one thing. I'd like to rewind very quickly, just to, to as a selfish personal reason. Uh, this sequence is shot at the Rialto Theater, yeah. which so, was uh, which was right across from uh, where I lived in college. Yeah, they did midnight movies there all the time, and I was very excited. I was I was one of those rowdy people at this. Theater. So I, I recognized it from the outside for sure as yeah. that one, but it then is the, in, it is the, the inside too. Yes. So the bathroom and stuff is all mm-hmm. Egyptian-y mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I don't, and then yeah. they they also used it to shoot the uh, the uh, drama sequences. Like they shot like they shot a lot of the movie. There. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I know. I was like, oh my god. I was telling Glory like I walked by there all the time, and like we, yeah. I went to get new locks at that same lock store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it in so it's in like La La Land, yep. and yeah, yeah you know when it, no one goes to her sad one person. It show. fell into disrepair. It was a working movie theater for yeah. uh, the entire time that I was in college, and now it is a church. I was like, yeah, they're using it for a church <laughs> a lot. Yeah. I've never been inside. So church a lot. <laughs> you know, Busby's is a church now too. On, no. on uh, Wilshire, I drove no. by there this morning. Um, anyways, everything's cool. a church. Good job, <laughs> churches. I guess. If you can pay that rent, good on you. Yeah, um, yeah. Although Pasadena recently closed their church's chicken. God, so. God, pays. <laughs> God, God pays the rent. Yeah, should have asked for more tithes <laughs> and offerings. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the other thing too is that they come in, they get their free stuff, and um, there's no trailers or previews, mm-hmm, and right. so it's complete like madness. And I was like, honestly, this is an argument for Nicole. Yeah. Like, get yeah. everybody settled, right. you know? Like, let's get ready That's for the movie part of the to ritual. start. Some, some of these people might not know why we come to this place. Yeah, and it's like, she could said murder feels good in a place like this. It's like, was this supposed to be like actually the premiere or like a fan, like, like a pr- or, or like a promo screening? Yeah, yeah. like see more you know, like Kiss a, FM one hundred two point seven yeah, screening. It's more yeah. like that where it's like this is like to get the word out and. Get but if it was hyped. a year later, 
Like, it needed to be, like, that would have been very fast. Yeah. And how would there be a fan, like, it's like, yeah, those kids died. Well, look, <laughs> this movie is literally a year later, too, and they That's made true. a whole movie, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, can, she does do um, talk about how she knows everything about media because she reads Entertainment Weekly, which true. was true very much yeah. so mm-hmm, uh, at mm-hmm. that time and for, like, 10 years about after and then yeah before it kind of i mean it's still a great website um but at that time actually not at this time i was too young but when i was reading it in high school i actually felt like it was like a secret thing and i was like the only person cool enough to know about it because my dad gave me the subscription like no one i knew was reading it you'd be coming in being like i saw this on the hot list and no one else knows about it yeah i'm i'm ahead of the game absolutely this is um so, yeah, uh, the Rialto. Oh, I was also going to say she goes to the concession stand to buy popcorn and a small diet Pepsi and then is given like the largest cup ever. <laughs> like, I Classic. know my AMC A list benefits and that was for sure an upgraded cup. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, um, this was great because, um, yeah, so this isn't the first time I've seen this movie, but I haven't seen it in a long time. But, sure. like, so I feel like I don't remember like each bit as uh-huh. you know and each kill or whatever as as well as i could but this is another one of those like iconic openings you know like especially the part where she's up in front of the screen and like screaming. very dramatic death yeah very dramatic death and everyone's just kind of like huh what's happening is this a thing yeah. this is i feel like the first time i need to call out and it will not be the last time of how ridiculously stacked this cast is yes it's uh, crazy. And, crazy and in the parody stab movie that is recounting and recapping the first movie Amazing. we have heather heather graham playing drew barrymore's character yeah. yep. and we have luke? <laughs> luke wilson playing billy loomis so funny <laughs> oh my god that part which, when he's like idiot <laughs> which i take great joy in is that it came out the same this movie came out the same year as bottle rocket <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it really, because you're like, oh, look at all these cameos from these people. But then you're like, no, none of these people were famous. Really? (laughs) Like, this is like amazing. Oh, I did go back and look it up. And like, Liam Schreiber was like not famous when he did that two seconds in the first one. And so it's just really random. And I didn't want to say anything last week about him coming back. Right, right. Sure. (laughs) So I was just like, I don't know. Um, Does... This is a question I had throughout the movie. Does young Liev Schreiber look weirdly like Jim Parsons to anyone else? Oh, interesting. No. He's like skinny because he's younger, but something about his face and like when he was talking, I kept thinking like he looks like freaking when I just Jim Parsons when he was being really aggressive and like 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 kind of descending on the stairs with Sid. Uh, the the thought that I had is that he had a lot of the quirks and things of the actor who plays Homelander in The Boys. Oh yeah, uh, and I thought that that was very like. <laughs> almost transposed. I was like, oh, this is a great performance by Liv Schreiber. I was like, my my main issue with him is that I was not, I'm not ever, I'm not clear like how old he's supposed to be. Well, right. and I just didn't like know anything about his character because right. they he's supposed to be like mysterious. You're not supposed to know his motive. But yeah. as a result, I was like, I don't really know anything about what this guy actually wants. And so yeah. it's very confusing. But yeah, and I think, you know, he he's so briefly in the first movie that like, yeah, you know, I was watching it with my wife too. And she constantly was like, Who's that 
And I had to be like, yeah. this is the guy who was Hot accused as yeah. kill, killing the mom. He's no longer caught. He's just actually, weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, they do, you know, reintroduce him a little bit in the movie, but I guess it just like is not done well. well I also enough. feel like, he, yeah, he's the same. It seems like he's the same age as all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he supposedly slept with her mom. Right. That's why I'm like. That's why it's confusing. Like, is he supposed to also be like a college age well, person? As we know, her mom was a slut. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I needed Tatum here to tell tell me what yeah. slut her mom was. Sid's mom was, but um, yeah. Oh, so we also see in the early credits of the fake movie that it is based on Gail Weathers' book. Right. Um, so this book has come out and been a success based on her writing about the murders. But then it's really not clear to me whether, like, I thought it must be a nonfiction book journalism (laughs) first person. But then her and Dewey, when they see each other again, start arguing, and he is mad that she characterized him as, like, Barney Fife and a doofus, which, like, like, can you really uh, be mad about that? But also... I mean, that could still be nonfiction. Her her (laughs) defense is, well, it's just a character in a book, and it's like... Not really. I thought this was like a nonfiction well, she, true crime uh, book. She said uh. she changed the death of the cameraman and stuff. Like, remember yeah. she said that in the book it says that he was gutted, but he wasn't actually gutted. Like, oh, but I, I but that doesn't change it from it be. It could it could still be my account. And my question is, it, yeah. how if. Uh, if she wrote, like she wrote the book, how did she get all the information about like the popcorn and like exactly yeah. like how did she get the shot? The shots were exactly the same, and you know like all the details about it, sure. <laughs> exactly how it went down. She called Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Is just like uh, you know, I love that. Uh, even, you know, on this podcast, like, even if the movies themselves aren't meta, our conversations about them, since we're, like, sure. going through, you know, one by one, end up getting kind of meta. And that's why I love this franchise for the podcast, because it's already, like, extremely meta from, like, get-go. And and these, like, you know, these breakaway moments to see scenes from Stab yes. are, like, clearly in there for, like, comic relief. And it's just, like, so great. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, we'll get to it. But there is a, a portion where we cut to them in college, and they're sitting in a film class. Oh my god! Class, this scene, and they're discussing. Yes. I mean, yeah, we could get this, to this it. I mean, I he's in college. He has a black roommate. Yeah, and um, what's Jamie Kennedy's also there? Randy. Randy's back. Randy, and he's in film class. He yeah. followed her to the same school, of course, because he's unrequited love. Yeah, and, just and this school. film class is crazy. Although I will say that the movie sets up that you think that they're going to be together. Yeah, and and they Maybe. are not because that would be the expected sequel trope. Yeah. No, I didn't expect that at all. Hmm. Okay. Um, I definitely thought she'd have a hot boyfriend and that (laughs) Jamie Kennedy would still be watching movies. (laughs) And you know, like, yeah, Randy, Randy's in film school, uh, class with Sarah Michelle Geller, Timothy Oliphant, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Joshua Jackson, uh, who else is in there? I think that's, those are the main main people, but like, Okay, I've taken film classes. Mm-hmm. Tyler's taken film. Have you taken any film classes, Justin? No, I have not. Tyler, what are your film classes? Like, let's sit around and shoot the shit and debate about sequels. I mean, at the end of the class, maybe. maybe? Yeah, but not led by the maybe. teacher. Yeah, I mean, I had sequels. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? <laughs> are you suggesting? <laughs> and then there's like... Sequels suck. Wah. <laughs> 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 I mean, I wouldn't say it was completely out of character for some of those, but I also went to a, a college where our classes were like 
11 kids. Oh, okay. So kids. your class was like that. Yeah. So maybe it could be. No, yeah. mine was like, you know, 400 people in a theater with oh, Leonard God. Malton. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. literally, I mean it. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> that was one, yeah. Turn to page 503 no, of my book. Those, those kind of no, classes are exactly the kind of reason I didn't want to go to a big school. I was like, I don't want to do lecture stuff like but that. But it was Leonard Malton. Yeah. I know. Uh, Who's that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he we're has, we're he playing the Leonard Malton game right now. This has nothing to do with anything, but one thing that I liked about him, other than that he's just a generally nice guy, nice, yeah, but yeah. he always wore like polo shirts to teach the class, and they would always be embroidered with like some obscure like movie, movie but not like big ones. Like it would usually be like Woody Woodpecker or like, say, like Balto. Well, he, <laughs> he like really would wolf. have like a lot of Woody Woodpecker, <laughs> or it would be like a little thing from like. The Fleischers or like Hanna Barbera or Don Bluth or something like sure. that. It was never like, you know, Mickey Mouse and Bugs Money. You but, had like yeah. a wacky races hat. Yeah, Maybe yeah. he did, but they were just like a small <laughs> little, you know, uh, lapel That's embroidery, so cool. not like a huge thing. But yeah, I was always like, okay. Like it was always something cool that probably nobody knew. What it was. I talked to him once outside of a taping of Doug Loves Movies. And <laughs> he's a very sweet, nice man. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like this scene, like whether or not it's actually realistic or, you know, it comes off, I think this is one of the better scenes in the movie and it comes off very realistic and like, just like the banter. Sure. I like imagine them filming it and it all sounds very natural and like off mm-hmm. the cuff. Yeah. Then, we like, would probably just have that exact. Same exactly. Yeah. I was like, this sounds so like. <laughs> not even the, in the podcast, just yeah. like yeah. at dinner. I was yeah. like, people to this day are still having the same conversation yep. that these kids are having and it all feels very natural and not like super staged to me, like mm-hmm. the, the interactions. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. All the things they say, like the guy brings <laughs> Joshua Jackson's like, what about house two? The second yeah. story. <laughs> Everyone's like, Boo. yeah, which was really funny because, uh, my girlfriend for the longest time couldn't figure out there was a horror movie that had like a weird, like cute little bug in it. And she loves the scream franchise. And it took us like years to figure out that it was house two that had this thing. And I was like, are you telling me this movie that you watch like 10 times, 10 <laughs> times a year makes a direct reference to the movie yeah. that you could not place. That's so crazy. <laughs> Out of all the movies. Oh, yeah. so. You think they were too scared of Disney to have him say D2, the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Because that's like the perfect line uh, for yeah, that. Yeah, it, really, it really yeah, is. I don't it, know. They must have been. They he could have been. been like D2, the Mighty Ducks. They bring Keenan, <laughs> the knuckle puck. Come on. You know <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, I, you know, I've seen the movie before, but I didn't remember enough that I was like, wow, Joshua Jackson is in this. For <laughs> one second. Yeah, like- I forgot that he's only in that one. But he... He is such a, uh, it's funny watching it now because like, you know, we're like, holy shit, it's Joshua Jackson. And then he, and like, when like, I don't know, like three fourths of the way through the movie, I asked my wife, like, who do you think the killer is? And she's like, I'm pretty sure it's Joshua Jackson's character. And I'm like, even though he hasn't been in the movie the entire time. <laughs> Dr. Death. <laughs> yeah. It's like, probably it's him. I don't know. <laughs> Just funny, the people that they got for two seconds. Well, and Kevin Williamson's work was probably, they were shooting Dawson at that time. Uh, or it was coming together. Yeah, must I think have. Dawson was at 898, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he probably just called in all these things. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller. Because oh Buffy gosh. already existed, right? That's By a 97, great question. I think so. He must have. Yeah. Let's look. Siri, when was Buffy? Siri, when was <laughs> Buffy the Vampire? March 10th, 1997. Yeah. Oh, okay. But she was in other things. So, so concurrent. Yeah. So this one, this movie came out 
again in in the holiday season. And shockingly, uh, it made almost the like it made like five hundred thousand dollars less than the first movie. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> well, it's just crazy that Sarah Michelle Gellar and Joshua Jackson were in there. That they were just like, oh, we're just gonna give these other teens like a small little role. And yeah. now when you watch it, it's like, oh my, my god, god. Yeah. a huge career! Like <laughs> I know. To, and I'm like, poor Sarah Michelle Gellar, she can't get out of a horror movie alive. Yeah. Uh, yep. What um, what was Timothy Oliphant up to before this? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> this is right around go. I imagine. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I should have looked this up he's myself. Not even, but... He's not even on the... the Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, um, well, what else can we talk about? Yeah, Timothy Oliphant. I thought it was funny. I was like, they were like, oh, let's cast somebody who basically at this time kind of also looks like Skeet Orange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that same kind of like crazy looking face because uh, he looks so well, young. Well, we can talk about also like... Portia de Rossi playing mm-hmm. a mean sorority girl. Yeah. What? That was crazy. That was amazing. I guess I've never. He wasn't in barely anything before. No. Yeah. I never thought of Portia de Rossi as like being a young person mm-hmm. because I just remember her coming into Ally McBeal and being like an adult right. in that show. Like, and that I, so I never have she thought of her as a teen. She still feels like an adult in this movie. She does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it but it's so funny it's because the eyebrows. Cause you think of her in like where she plays more serious roles or whatever. But then also I'm like, okay, maybe if, uh, what's her face from Rusted development, like maybe this was her in college. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. And then she became Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did have a problem in this movie with Hate everyone. the wetlands. <laughs> I, I was like, I did have a problem watching this, uh, now f- with everyone feeling like they're so old. Yeah. Like the, there's that there's a part in the movie where Jerry O'Connell gets up and like sings a song in the in the in the in the, in the uh From, um, based, based off Top, Top Gun. Gun. Yes, exactly. In the in the in the uh cafeteria in front of everyone and I was like I just had to keep rem- I was like uh, these are supposed to be college students. This this makes sense if you think that they're college students. Not if, not if a guy who looks like he's forty is up there singing to his girlfriend. Like, a, I was just like, they don't look like college students at all, yeah. at all to me. But. Also, major like missed opportunity to do like it's a twin murder. If if Jerry O'Connell was the murderer, that's true. But oh well. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Too bad. But that part was pretty over the top. Yeah. All right. What else do I have? Uh, that was a pretty serious uh, recording studio. For it very, it very much was. It I, had a maze of, uh, <laughs> yes. oh of sound, whatever you call those panels. I, I think my favorite scene in this movie. So the things that we have not talked about yeah. is that. So I, okay. So we got to go through the sequel rules. Gail's hair. Yeah. Gail's, Gail's hair. hair. Uh, Gail's hair and and Dewey's. Uh, comp- hey, lim- one, one Dewey's alive. Uh, to, right. to to uh the the will they won't they of uh Courtney Cox and David Arquette is is going strong and Gail Weathers hair is has like dyed red 90 streaks yes. and at one point Dewey says nice streaks yeah <laughs> and it like starts streaks. out insane and then like actually fades throughout the movie yes. so i'm like did they shoot this thing chronologically like because the hair is like getting less and less red in yeah. every scene it did a little bit they probably started off and were like mm, i'm not feeling it yeah just let it let it grow out so like there's there's a part where we see uh cotton weary and gay weathers doing an interview you know beforehand and then like we see her show up with him at. Yeah, great strategy yeah. as usual. Like a surprise, just yeah. killing it as yeah. a journalist. Gail <laughs> Weathers, terrible. She's really terrible. Let's in this movie. ambush Sydney. Yeah, she's a terrible person. Yeah. Um. 
So the so everyone ends up in this college town after this murder, and things were like, oh, is it happening again? No, it's not happening again. Uh, actually, one of the sequences that I love that, that's fantastic is uh, Sydney getting a call from somebody after the first murders, right. and somebody be like, oh, what's your favorite scary movie? And she just pulls out caller ID, and she's like, fuck you, asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hi, Chris, or whatever. It was yeah. Like, yeah, that was really funny. Um, but when Dewey's there and things are in motion. Dewey and Randy have this conversation that's basically the shell game, the most meta, ridiculous, like, who could it be? It's like, well, you be the suspect. And he's like, well, if you're a suspect, I'm a suspect. <laughs> and they're yeah. just like, touche, continue. <laughs> Let's move on. I love that. They're, and, and like, they're prominently eating, like, uh, Baskin Robbins 31 flavors. Um, what, what I wanted to ask about that, so, like, we go through the um, through the sequel, the rules of a sequel. Yes, indeed. Like, one. It's got a, uh, the body count's got to be higher. Jack up that body count. Which the body count, I think, is a little bit higher. Absolutely higher. Mm-hmm. Yes. Two, it's got to be gorier, right? That's yep. the other one, like. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be super gory. More blood. More blood. Uh, and then three, he, say, he says in the movie, and the third one, if you want your film to be a franchise, you got to make sure that you never, ever, and then he gets cut off. Yes. Like, what do you guys think he was going to say? Because he never finishes it, right? He never finishes that. Kill the thought. hero. Like, what do you think it would be that you never, ever, what? Mm. Well, what curious. does he then immediately do? Like, you never, ever, yeah, I don't know. Like, what, but what would, what would stop it from being a franchise? Or a good franchise. Well, sequel, I think, anyways. yeah. Um, also, I love the I love the characterization of like how Empire Strikes Back wasn't a sequel because it yeah. was a no, nope, yeah, that was a trilogy. The they planned it from the beginning. It doesn't count. Sure, you did. <laughs> yeah, George. yeah. I feel like that that's apocryphal. <laughs> best Part of a trilogy <laughs> doesn't count as a sequel. <laughs> I just like that line. Also, the line when they when they watch that video of the uh, they sh- they're watching the TV show that's showing a clip of the uh, um, scene from Stab, and he's yeah. like, "I'll catch it on video." yeah maybe he was gonna say that like you can't kill the actors that come back for yeah yeah or like or like your main characters or like you can never kill like the lead yeah the lead person that's what i thought whoever became famous or something like yeah like you can never kill like the jamie lee curtis type yeah the, the final girl yeah yeah or maybe that the that's what i thought that he'll never get with the hot girl or something like that yeah, yeah maybe yeah because well, he was ha- like in pain when jerry o'connell came up to I know. <laughs> but that does happen in most sequels <laughs> maybe he was gonna say like you could never get out of the friend zone or something <laughs> like that like, no i feel like it's gotta be something bigger than that it's yeah. gotta be some like you can never reveal something or i don't know yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i was just curious what you guys thought well there was also this and this is the later conversation that he has with um, Dewey is that like the killer has to be somebody that we already know mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from the first movie or it's not going to be like satisfying or whatever. So mm-hmm. or connected to someone mm-hmm. we know already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he um, ended up being right. I mean, uh, yeah, they talk about the body count and how the, the kills have to be more inventive. How do we feel about the kills in this movie? Do we feel like they were more inventive? There's actually a pretty long stretch, I feel, in the middle where, like, no one dies. No one dies. And they're just kind of running around um, having these conversations, like, who could it be? Who might it be? What's going on? You know, on? it's not my favorite death, but, like, the, the, what ends that long stretch is when Randy gets got. Uh, and there's this whole, like, we're looking for people with cell phones, and there's, like, 
four of them on the quad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like when he totally jumps on that dude from like <laughs> above him. Like I'm going to tackle you. I like the blood coming out of the van door because I just want Gail to be more traumatized. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess the Sarah Michelle Geller one's not that good, especially cause it's like a Halloween thing too. Is it's going a black Christmas the, thing as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. Already. Um, I did. Well, I will talk about what I love about that one is that her friends come home. And like she's safe for a little bit, and then they leave, which makes that kill like even more. Just oh, yeah, it's no. just like the parents. It, it, it yeah. is kind of yeah. yeah, it is kind of fun because it's like even there's even that moment where like she steps outside and like could have maybe left. Yeah, but then like you see then that the killer wasn't even inside. So if she would have left, like maybe that wouldn't have helped. Right. <laughs> right. So I think that's kind of interesting and inventive. And I guess they were kind of you know it's kind of clever for them to use the like. You know, the phone doesn't reach all the way down. Sure. So she has to go back in. Yep. Um, but yeah, I feel oh, like. Oh, you know what was a really good one? The bodyguard police officer getting like oh, cut in oh, half, yeah, like dissected in that car or whatever. It goes through his head. Yeah. The, the... Like that That wasn't even really like Ghostface's yeah. plan, but it was great. I guess the garage door wasn't planned either, yeah. but but yeah, when um, the roommate goes down, she goes down like a chump, and like yeah. and I mean um, the, the sequence before that is really great when it's like the whoever is in the mask at that moment is like knocked out, yeah, and they have to climb over, right, right, right. Like, that's a that's a great that's sequence, great. yeah. Um, but then when they go back and it's like, oh, he's not there, then he just jumps out from behind. This a little bit cheap, but. yeah. Um, so yeah, this this security bodyguard guy and then honestly i just think you can't really beat the like jada cold open death so yeah. and that's do, what people said about drew Barrymore. Yeah. so i do even though uh spoiler alert yeah uh, he doesn't die i do really enjoy the whole like uh courtney cox like dewey. uh dewey moment in the um in the recording, recording studio. studio yeah it's I, I mean it, we joked about it being like a maze but i feel like that's so it's like constructed really well and it's kind it of is. cool because you yourself as a viewer are getting lost. Like, where is she? Like, how can, yeah. is she going to find her way? Like how many more rooms can she go in? And then I love the whole like moment where he's like calling for her and she can't hear him. Cause it's like soundproof. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he gets stabbed. And I, I, you know, we were like, no Dewey. Cause he's like, uh, I think he's a pretty like, I don't know if you like him or not. He's a pretty likable. He's pretty like, uh, I think he's like, I didn't like him that much. I think it's kind of dumb, but yeah, but he, in a, in like a oh, at least he way. was like slightly less dumb than he was in the last movie. Yeah, I just and, like and him because I mean, he's really, just trying. And, to and help. he is disabled now. Yeah, he is disabled. It's kind of weird because it's like this limp, and I mean, I'm like, I guess you already know the answer, but I'm like, okay, getting stabbed this time is going to cure his limp is my guess so in the next movie he will no longer have it because they specifically said the only reason he lived is because he was scar stabbed in the, the scar nerf, tissue yeah, from, from before damage. and then he and then they were also like jamie kennedy was like why do you why are you even limping like that like you were stabbed in the back not in the and he was like nerve damage so i'm gonna guess that his nerve was somehow reconnected by this stabbing and that he will be completely normal in the it's next just movie. so it's just so funny that like kevin williamson was smart enough or whoever you know, I, I guess there were lots of rewrites like on set and stuff oh. or whoever suggested it, but it was so funny that like they were aware enough to know that everyone would be like, why is he limping like that? Cause <laughs> yeah. I was also thinking like, I can't remember, like did he get shot or like what happened to his arm? And so like, the, it's just so funny that they wrote in that scene where Randy's like, yeah, what the fuck is up with your arm? By the way, yeah. <laughs> like, I But I, I also, stabbed. I also do like that. It's like, he's like, Oh no, I'm fine. It's like, you know, like you get stabbed, like you get messed up. Like things happen. 
I just feel like the staging of that whole sequence and building up to him. No, I think it's great. I think finally like reaches for the microphone and screams and it's too late for her to do anything. There's, there is no set piece that builds tension in that way from the first movie. Like that is, there is no cat and mouse that, that plays out that well. And Wes Craven's great at those type of things. And it, yeah, it's the closest thing that this franchise has had to a set piece is the college recording studio uh which is a very and it it almost elevates to a different movie like it feels it's it's far more art directed um it's really staged and planned out and yeah it works great well and yeah it was it's kind of fun that it's like a recording studio because then yes you can have the soundproofed um areas but i think the easier more common thing would be to have that kind of thing in the book stacks uh, but because these are all the kids 90s, that are baby. obsessed with media, they, they're all in film class yeah. and they're trying to become famous with their camcorder and mm-hmm. she's an actress. Um, hey, it was digital. It was a digital camcorder. Yes. Digital tape. Um, I love that, that time when they're, they're like, <laughs> they're like looking for somewhere to find a VCR. Yeah. And somehow like <laughs> while they're watching the VCR, like Ghostface had like set up another camera. Right. Like, right. How would they have known they were going to be in there? Look. Like it's so stupid. Make yeah. it funny. Oh, well, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we're getting to spoilers. He's, he's, a, he's a film student. He's a film right. student. So, yeah. uh, here, my other thought during this movie, I was like, what do you guys think of uh, Sydney's life choices? To be an actor? Well, do you, one, do you think that uh, if you went through the traumatic experience of having your boyfriend, learning yeah. that the boy, the person you were, you know, in love with sure. ostensibly or whatever, like boyfriend, girlfriend, not only killed your mom and raped her, but also then killed a bunch of your friends. Would you and then back? and then also tricked you into having sex with them? Yes. Yeah. Would you be back having a boyfriend like a few years? Well, later? as as, as <laughs> what? What? come on, what is this not going to have all? She's going to be have no boyfriends from now on. I just I, feel like you. I be mean, extremely trying. I would. I yes. I would not be. <laughs> I don't trusting. Know. I don't know. Uh, I I is, think it would take me. Well, I don't know. For if that was happening on the flip side, it would take me longer than I think like a year or two before I was like having another. Everyone <laughs> processes their trauma differently. Fair, fair. And uh, also, he was totally fine. But she doubted. Would you also then go on to star in a really creepy theatrical No, that production? was the part that I was like, okay, if I had been terrorized by a murderer whose main characterization was that he wore a scary mask, yeah. I would not be like, Let, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's be- block this so that everyone wears a scary mask yes. and then runs around me Use screaming. Let's go be Use in the most it. terrifying And as soon as David production. Warner was like her theater professor, yeah. I was like, oh, he's the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, seriously. I I did like did you see that the the music for that was done by Danny Elfman in the credits? Yeah, why? There's a, there's a lot of weird West Craven friends, I'm there's sure. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in this movie with the music. I don't know if you yeah, uh, there, there so that was like that part was done by Danny Elfman and then I don't know it it, it was bothering me the entire movie, but the music for Dewey uh it turns <laughs> out I don't know if you I read about this on the Wikipedia, but um it's very odd. And it's kind of, it's just so weird. Like it's goofy and I didn't like it because it sounds like totally separate from the rest of the, the score. Turns out they straight up licensed like Hans Zimmer score from Broken Arrow. Uh, <laughs> I saw the Hans Zimmer thing, but I was just like, I don't know. So that's, that 
all the music with Dewey is like licensed from Broken Arrow uh, because apparently they had it in his temp music. And during the test screening, uh, apparently yeah. the audience was like, oh, this is so funny. We love it or whatever. And so like Marco Beltrami had like written all this stuff for those scenes and they just kept the Hans. They like licensed. What is, bro- is that a Western? Oh, Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. Let, me, let me put it off the top of my <laughs> yeah, head. Tyler I does. believe I believe Broken Arrow is a John Travolta vehicle where yes. he plays a bad guy. Uh, after, and he is trying to, there's, it's about nuclear stuff. Yeah. Broken Arrow is a specific, uh, ter- it's like a terrorist steal a nuclear weapon. weapon. Oh my yeah. God. What? I thought it, I thought it was going to be like about the, no, no, no. The, this is, this the, is a John Travolta, like face off action. Like this is like oh a John Travolta p- riding the wave of Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. leading man action. But like this, he's, he's the, the twist is he's the bad guy in this one. Well, <laughs> and I don't know if it's R or PG thirteen. I must have been PG thirteen because I saw it this time. <laughs> I um, you know, I don't need to tell you this, Justin, but you know, when <laughs> film music industry class, the number one thing that this famous professor said was like, if you guys go on to work in films, like, don't ever let them put in temp music because that ruins everything and blah blah blah. And so it sounds like that's what happened Whoa, here. Temp love. No Broken, Broken Arrow was indeed a uh, John Woo movie. Oh. Yeah. Um, and Broken Arrow is a real term that it refers to an accidental event that involves nuclear weapons. Oh. So is that right after? Isn't there also like it's a incident with like Native Americans, like a famous battle or something? Wounded Knee? I don't know. There, There's definitely like a, some Broken Arrow high school in which... They were always winning marching band things. So. I don't know. Oh, well. I made it up, maybe. I'm looking at Broken Arrow High School and the marching band is like one of the top things. Yeah, see, yeah, they're like really famous. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> uh, their, their logo was a, a, city, right? was a B. Like, yeah, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah, it must be named after something. But so that's anyway. nice. So yeah, Broken Arrow was John Woo 96 and then Face Off John Woo with John Travolta as well came out in 97, same year as this movie. What a waste of... It couldn't have been cheap to license a Han... I mean, I, he, I guess he's not the Hans Zimmer that he is now. But still, one year after the movie came out, you're going to license? I mean, I think that movie was pretty big, too. So Also, also just weird 90s synergy. Graham Yost wrote Broken Arrow, and he went on to create Justified, which <gasps> was uh, Tim Yolofant's <laughs> main yeah. television vehicle. <laughs> What are you talking about? That's Cub Man. Yeah. I told you already. <laughs> also, if we're if we're getting into weird uh, associations <laughs> from the Scream Two IMDb, uh, Matt Shankman, uh, yes, is, was a that. dancer in the movie. Adam, Adam Shankman. Adam yeah. Shankman. Yes, yeah. Matt, Matt Shankman's the other one, <laughs> right? And he um, choreographed the whole Cassandra thing. Yes, and uh, for our listeners, if you're playing along at home. He is uh, the showrunner on the Step Up YouTube series and directed Cheaper by the Dozen, too. Yes. Okay, just so everyone knows, I looked up. So Broken Arrow High School is probably called that because it's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it says, the city's name comes from an old Creek community in Alabama. Members of that community were expelled from Alabama by the United States government along the Trail of Tears in the 1830s. The Creek founded a new community in the Indian Territory and named it after their old settlement in, in Alabama. The cre- uh, the town's Creek name was, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, uh, it says pronounced Thequachku, meaning broken arrow. See, I told you it had something to do with Native Americans. So there you go. 
and marching band. <laughs> and I was uh, right about all those things. I tried to use the pronunciation they have here in Wikipedia. Sure. Apologies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's like a whole argument here about if violent movies can be blamed for these violent murders. Indeed. It, I mean, that's actually put, yeah, that's put forward as like one of the main theses of theses, the... Theses, uh, yeah. And then there's also... Thesi. Main thesis of the uh, killers and everything, yeah. There's also something about live theater being in the mix here. Sure. Uh, and whether that's her salvation almost, because it all takes place in this live theater, you know, in, in the stage, and she ends up, you know... Uh, getting the best of the killers by utilizing stagecraft. Sure. Um, but uh, it didn't really... <laughs> like run Tom Tugger before her. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I don't really know uh, if I understand what they're trying to say, but... Debbie Loomis would have failed at the agro crag. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, okay, that's what I was going to say. I was like, why is she getting pushed over by these fake She's foam like, rocks? Oh, God. It really did look like agro crag or the hidden temple or something. Yeah. So. Let's go to Mo for the results. She tried, yeah, there's, that was the first thing I thought. There's that part where she tries to like climb up the wall and then a bunch of like, yeah, those like foam rocks fall on her. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly like Nickelodeon. Yeah, it wasn't even the super agro crag. Just the regular one. It was pretty funny. Uh, that's the other thing I recall about this movie ending on the uh, the stage there, and I mm-hmm. I, re- I remembered. I don't think I remembered the killers for this one. I don't think I'm going to remember the killers for the next the rest of them. Okay, but okay. this one I remember the killers. Yeah, I definitely didn't um, think that it was going to be uh, Billy Loomis's mother. Yeah. Oh, really? Because I was like. You know, watching this again, I was like thinking the whole time. I'm like, I wonder if Elis is going to know right away who it is because, like, me watching it, I'm like, oh my god! Like, they're shoehorning her into all these scenes yeah. all the time, and it's Laurie Metcalf. You're going to be like, why is Laurie Metcalf playing this random? You know, I just heard it was like she wasn't that famous yet. Yeah, but well, I'm um, glad it worked on you because I was worried that, that one did work on me. I think I did think that it was the sky. Mickey, who ended up right. being, even though I didn't really recognize him as Timothy Oliphant until the credits. Oh, really? Not really. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I reckon, that, that shows me how much of a fanboy I am of him. I was just like, by his voice. I, knew it was him I don't watch Justified. I've never <laughs> oh, watched that. So um, but, yeah, so I kind of thought it was him because, uh, once again, Jamie Kennedy, like, lays it all out of, of who the suspects could be. And so I did think maybe for a while they were actually going to go with the roommate and because they were dating, right? The Who? roommate was dating that guy, Mickey or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and so I was like, maybe they're in it together somehow. Um, did you ever think it was Jerry O'Connell, like, for real? No. I did. Yeah? That is I just forgot. too cruel <laughs> Yeah, for it to be her boyfriend. Well, it's again. like watching it again, knowing who the killer is, too. It's like, it's weird because the Mickey character. Uh, and He's not very involved. Yeah, he disappears for a, right. a big chunk, which is maybe on purpose because they probably thought it was too obvious maybe that he was a killer because he, he acts very similarly to Stu where yeah. after the first killing, he's like, oh my God, did you hear it? She was stabbed seven times, blah, blah, which is like the same kind of thing Stu does in the first movie, like yep. like uh, you know brag about the details to people even though they don't know he's the killer. Um, So I was worried that, yeah, I was really worried that you might know right off the bat like that those people nah. were the killer. I'm glad that it worked. It still worked on you. That's good. Yeah. That's also, good. because like I totally 
wasn't thinking at all about Billy's mom and how she left him or whatever. Although they yep. did play the clip of Luke Wilson saying to remind you. Yep. So. Well, and I also think that that, that conversation between Dewey and uh, Jamie Kennedy does do an effective job of like spinning you around and being like, everyone's a suspect. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> like the blockbuster yep. conversation that they yep. had in the other one. Right? And it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it happens so often during the movie that it feels like it almost becomes a joke, but it's just funny that like, uh, they do such a good job in the movie. Anytime Ghostface is around that someone has either just left the yep. scene or yep. has arrives immediately after, <laughs> you know, Ghostface yep. shows up and it's like, it, it almost gets to the point of parody, like, oh, of course, here's Jerry O'Connell right yeah. after <laughs> lo- Ghostface just left. The, Why'd the you go around the backside of the house? Or at the very end, they're like, you know, the killer has revealed himself, and he's like, I had an accomplice. And then, like, Courtney Cox walks through the door. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck, okay. it was Gail. <laughs> but nah. then that's not. And then it's like she's immediately followed by Laurie Metcalf with a gun. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is an, a, it's an impressive shell game that he plays that's very, very fun. I wow. definitely didn't think it was Gale. That did not get me. Yeah, no. yeah that that fake. But, but I think, um, I like it would make sense that she was like so terrible that she wanted to have a sequel like success story. Uh, or something. Right. But, yeah. but I but she's not that terrible. Well, I think that it gets back to the reason that this franchise is so enduring and why we like the first one and why I love this one as well is that, you know, we we're talking about that sequel conversation and having it feel natural and. You brought up, you know, we're talking about Entertainment Weekly and feeling that that was mm. an insular, you know, like the the discourse around entertainment and the nerdery around filmmaking that, you know, it's taken for granted that that's ubiquitous now. At that time, it was, and, and certainly uh, for all of our adolescents, we were weirdos yeah. <laughs> for that. And these movies are made for people that have those conversations that, yeah. that talk about those things in that way. Yeah. And it is a, the, the way that this is being to go even, even farther removed from the meta level of the first one, which is already pretty meta and not do it in a way that feels cynical or cashy in, or that's just fun. Um, is really special. And I, I, it's one of those things that's like, feels like that that meta type of narrative is really popular now. And it's kind of crazy to think that that was happening in 97 in a horror franchise that, you know, people love, but also were not probably appreciating for yeah. what it was doing at the time. It's like one of the things I really love about this franchise as I'm rewatching and thinking about it more is that I just really love the like whodunit mystery. And yeah. like, there's like, what like there's not a lot of horror movies that come out where you're like who's the killer I don't know it's 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 I there's a lot like, of craft to to make it feel as fun and as meta as it is while yeah. still being like everyone's a suspect like it feels like when I play code names and where I'm just like uh, oh that could be a thing that could be a thing and just reading out as many possibilities to confuse people which is a terrible tactic but it works in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, uh, it's funny to me, you know, I was just thinking just now when we're having this conversation, I don't know if I mentioned this or it's like, but that, that, that like wanting that, that fun of trying to figure out who done it, like has really attached itself to me for this franchise because like, you know, I still, I didn't get to see the last, the, the, the movie from 2021, mm-hmm. but when it was coming out, I was like, so interested in seeing it because, um, so scream Four that we'll talk about later, uh, it was 
2011 uh-huh. and this is 10 years later and and like you know like you got to do in these days if you're worried about spoilers like i went on twitter and was like i'm gonna mute all these words because like <laughs> because the the experience of like not knowing who the killer is and who dies and yep. all stuff is like so important for me for this franchise that like i'm gonna do it and and i looked the other day since i never got to see it yeah. those things are still muted for me <laughs> That's awesome. on twitter uh um which is probably good now that there's a new one coming out too but it's i just thought it was funny and it's just like something that you know, I I guess we get like knives out and stuff where we have like a. Well, I was just gonna say it's yeah, like it's a it's mystery like, and a horror. Yeah, we don't we don't know if Benoit Blanc is in Scream Six. Yeah, <laughs> but there was stuff like you know there was stuff like I know what you did last summer and stuff that came out sure. after this that was like also very much like who is the person who knows yep. what they did you know and there's just not a lot of horror movies these days that and you know I'm sure I'm forgetting something but there's not many that the come bye out. bye man. Uh, but that was <laughs> we knew it was the bye bye okay. <laughs> don't think it don't say it my there's so many movies that come out that are like <laughs> monsters or even yeah. like in black phone it's like it was, it was never a mystery or whatever like who the killer was it was Ethan Hank <laughs> Ethan Hank yeah. uh, you know there's like great movies that come out but there's not this element of like who done it good mm-hmm. point good point but uh, so that's what's fun about Ghostface. All I can think about is how much I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, and I'm yeah. sorry she gets killed immediately. <laughs> 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 she doesn't make it through. I was like, I was thinking, like, what horror movies? She makes it through The Grudge, but then I think she, she dies in the second she one. She does <laughs> immediately. <laughs> but uh, she doesn't make it through. Uh, I know we did last summer either. No mm. spoilers. So, my prediction without knowing anything is that. Sydney will not be in the next one and most people will exit but that Gail and Dewey will still be there for some reason hmm. that's my prediction I'm not going to say anything other than Scream 3 Cruise Control comes out in the year 2000 oh. so we're not an immediate um, I think we kind of made a joke maybe about things coming out so quickly or maybe not a joke, but we talked about how Scream 5 came out last year and Scream 6 is now coming this year. Mm-hmm. And Scream 1 came out in 1996, and this one is, again, a year later. I think the good thing about that is that you really, I feel like the aesthetic and all of the people really feel like the same, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, my God. I think, I think uh, I, I'm not going to say what's going on in Scream 3 or anything, but I feel like we will see the changes into the year 2000 for sure i i just looked at the imdb uh, against my well spoilers Elis, yeah elis you're gonna lose your mind oh <laughs> okay is it a musical no, <laughs> it's a pasic and paul musical oh, no, i'm kidding no um no i think i think it was smart holy smokio <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's incredibly impressive that they uh, got this out a year later, and uh, I think it worked really well. Okay, Indeed. okay. Well, um, I guess are we are we into rating system territory? Sure. Is that where we're at? Yeah, I think so. Let's uh, do it. Let's see. Well, you know, we didn't really talk about Cotton Weary's story. Cotton Weary, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it is impressive. This is another thing that's great about this franchise is yeah. that they really like integrate, and you know, another thing. That, <laughs> maybe they were able to do because it was immediately the next year. Right. They're really able to fully integrate like what happened in the first movie yeah. and then continue yeah. stories into this new one. Well, I mean, you know, uh, Sydney Excuse makes me. the joke about her being played by Tori Spelling in yes. the next, in the, the, 
movie adaptation, and then that happens. Like, it's like they're able to, like, set up and pay off jokes in a way that's incredible. It's impressive. Um, yeah, I like Cotton Weary's story. Uh, like, he really wanted to cash in for the fame. He was a, but also not as, like, unscrupulous as Gail Weathers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the only reason he saves her life is because she agrees to do the Diane Sawyer interview. <laughs> yeah, That's that is pretty little... bad. Although, although, given his choice, he was going to have to kill somebody. Well, Some, no, was gonna he die. was going to either let her die or kill. Somebody died. Proactively kill someone. Yeah. I also really love, like, I really love the scene with between him and Nev Campbell in the library. Yeah. Like, her, her act, acting to, like, the reaction of him, like, you know, kind of slowly escalating the aggression that mm-hmm. he's showing to her in that moment. I just love her. That's the, I one love of the best her sequences reaction in the movie, yeah. and everything. It's like, it feels so real. And with everything, you know, with everything going on today with the conversations of toxic masculinity yeah, and stuff, yeah. it's interesting to see that really being like fully played out in this movie. That's from 1997 when maybe people weren't like, Maybe the the zeitgeist wasn't fully like sure. obviously people were talking about that, but it wasn't like the zeitgeist and everyone is like everywhere. Um, it was really cool to see that kind of like interaction and yeah, I just love her performance of being like, uh, "You're touching my like, why are you touching my yeah. shoulder?" Right and, now? and and yeah. and, and the dynamic of him coming from like, "I'm a victim of you," right? Yeah, like a, yeah. you know, like that that is a very like, this is your fault that I can't yeah. be famous. Right, or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I thought that that was that was a very it's a, it's smart like uh, yeah. Screen well, game. and at the end, I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Oh wow, I guess it's nice that she like gave him the credit." for you know being a hero but at the same time it's like this will help get the attention off, off of, of her, her. so yeah, she's exactly. gonna move yeah. on with her freaking life and that's yeah. all she wants yeah there's yeah. part of it that's really nice and like and then you watch that circus that goes i mean there there is a a large meta commentary about famous abuse here and and sydney not wanting any part of that and what gail's trying to do and the way that we sensational sensationalize violence and how does violence in media, you know, I think that this this movie doesn't discount or have a strong opinion about those things. I think it's more just putting that out there in a way that's interesting. Um, well, especially it's almost like in a way she realizes that like she cannot like really be seen as the hero, even though she yep. is like, even yep. after what happened in the first movie, nobody saw her as the hero. They just see her as this victim. They yep. continue yeah. to torture her about it. She continues to get phone calls. That's why the drama teacher's telling her like, you have to take charge, you know, like it doesn't, you know, you can't keep being the victim. And like, even, and then she just, you know, realizes like, there's no point, even though she is the hero. Like, she even has to remind them at the end, like, hey, like, I, I fucking killed, killed him. him. Yeah, like, yeah. I was the one that yeah. killed him. Yeah. Like, just in case you forgot. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe and, and she gets that moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, that narrative will never be how she is seen, but she has the agency to control her own destiny. Even yeah. though in the film, the one time that she decides to take matters into her own hands literally gets her friend killed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of tragic and terrible, but. Yeah, that was like a red herring too, though, because it seemed like the friend was trying to get her away because she knew who Ghostface was. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, with the whole time and that that sequence is really great tension and everything, but we were just like, take the mask off. Why wouldn't you just take it <laughs> off right away? Come yeah. on. <laughs> but that's why the movie's great. That's why it's fantastic. Rating system. Let's oh, do it. Oh man, um, how many rollable sound blocking boards? <laughs> Partitions, uh, <laughs> interchangeable uh, sound blocking partitions. Would you interlocking? 
Scram 2. Uh, okay, I'll go first, sure. Like, I think I gave the last one a 9, uh, but I arguably, pro- arguably probably would have given it a 10, honestly. Yeah. I think I'll give this an 8, just slightly, okay. slightly down. But the main reason being, like, thinking about Randy's sequel rules, and I'm like, are the... Are there the kills actually more gruesome? They're actually not. I feel like Man. there's stuff in the first movie, like when you see their guts and stuff, that are actually like, ooh, God. Um, I do think that maybe they're more elaborate sometimes, like mm-hmm. as we talked about the crazy maze of the <laughs> recording studio. Crazy maze. <laughs> but I think um, this is an instance where uh, they really, <coughs> excuse me, they really smartly struck while lightning uh, struck. What, what's the term? I can't struck you struck while the lightning was hot. Yes, you struck no, while the no, lightning not, that's was not the term the iron. The iron. <laughs> you struck while the iron was hot, and they 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 rushed this movie out. <clears throat> Apparently, it was like in production, like while the other one was premiering, and it was smart of them because I think it really helped solidify the tone, and uh, you know, it was great that they were able to get literally everyone who survived back, yeah, into this one. Some and just some think, who didn't. And they decided that they did. That's true. (laughs) And I just think it's like, I just think it's really smart and that it like went even, it pushed even further down the pedal of uh, meta-ness in this one to some like hilarious effect. Uh, Just the whole like Heather Grant. Any time we were seeing stuff from Stab, I thought was like genius in this movie. (laughs) Um, And I think they did a solid job of landing the the killers. You know, you you can watch this movie and kind of feel like, oh, there's a lot of the same dynamics going on. Like, Oh, she's got a boyfriend. That's maybe bad. Maybe not. I don't know. But it also kind of is like playing on that, that whole thing of the fact that there's a lot of the same relationships and dynamics is playing on the whole sequel idea. And like sequels are bad and how these people are also copycats. It's like a whole thing. So it kind of like, even though there's a lot of those same relationships and tropes, it works for me. And uh, I think it's a, like probably one of the better sequels we've seen. Uh, So I will give it, I will, just, I'm just going to give it an eight. Yeah, I gave it an eight, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go down to seven uh, <laughs> rollable soundboards. Yes. Um, it's still really good. I really enjoyed it, and the meta stuff is great. I just do think that, like, from a mystery perspective, I guess it could have been a little bit better if you think about the rules of, like, that genre, because it does basically follow the rules and that the murderer's are someone we know like it's no fun if they come out of nowhere so it is yeah. someone we know but it wasn't as fun as the first one where it's like a it's like main characters that have been there for every beat of the way like we did talk about how mickey disappears for a very long time and yes also um laurie metcalf is like really not very involved like I, she kept bothering gail but i think she could have been a lot more involved and then it would have been a little I bit was more certain satisfying you were gonna call that immediately because i just, don't know I feel like she is real shoehorned into some yeah. of the scenes. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, and I understand they can't do the exact same thing twice. So, yeah. uh, but I just think those two characters maybe just could have been integrated a little bit more so that the ending was a little bit more satisfying. Um, and also I still, I did not like Cotton Weary's character. I think he's just a big, like nothing. And I don't know, really know what's going on with him. Like, I do like that he's going for the fame. I thought it was funny, but like they're trying so hard to like hide what he's up to that it, it just like 
But I also think at that time, it's like there's no, you know, reality TV is is not there yet. The person is trying to be famous off of a story that way. It's coming off of OJ. Like, there's something really yeah. interesting there that, like, now we take for granted as, like, that's a personality type. Yeah. But that is, you know, somebody who's angling for that type of fame at that era is, um, you know, its own sort of monster. Uh, and, and also its own... You know, then they, they don't paint him that way. Like that's also a human ambition and a human need. Um, I am going to say uh, I gave one a nine. I'm going to give this a nine for different reasons. Oh. I think that 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 it is not a as successful as of a movie as a whole as the first one, but I do think that it is one of the better sequels that sure. we have discussed, and I think that it absolutely understands that it's meta assignment of. How do we reshuffle these things, knowing those expectations mm-hmm. and the level of difficulty that it takes on by calling all those things out and then using the same characters and then still building tension and still building to a point where I don't know who the killer is at the end. And then when they unveil it, whether I like what they did or not there, the mechanism that led us led me up to that point is exquisitely done. And, uh, I just, it's a, it's a blast. It's, it's a ton of fun. And I wish that with all of the, like, I would say that audiences are probably 10 times more media literate than they were then. Yeah. I feel like that this type of thing would be wildly successful, uh, with doing it with other genres and, and, and blending things together and have it be this, it's not even fourth wall breaking. It's just this, like, hey, we're in this together, friends. Mm-hmm. Like, let, 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 let's go and talk about this. But I think that's also very specific to the horror genre and very specific to that time. Like, I don't think a big budget movie, if you did it now, people would see it patronizing. So I'm talking myself out of my own theory, <laughs> but I enjoyed this movie. I'm incredibly <laughs> interested to see what the, like, most recent movies are like. Because, yeah. like, even Scream 4 in 2011, that also still seems old. So, yep. Like modern times scream, I'm extremely interested to see. Indeed. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, they did all pop up on Paramount in the last couple of days. I oh, yeah. To get ready for the That's new That's right. New last one. week, I think we mentioned like they're not streaming anywhere because they weren't at the moment. But, yeah. Uh, they are now, uh, yeah. Yeah. Paramount Plus. I don't think four is, but okay. it looks like two, three, and five were all added. Perfect. So next week, we Wait. will. Oh. One yeah. other thing before we go, we have to talk about. We mentioned we talked about this the soundtrack last week a little bit. Sure. What do you think of the soundtrack this time, Tyler? Like they, they, they used, played Red Right Hand three <laughs> times. They, did. they used it so many times. That was the other thing. I was like, how did the creators of Stab uh, know no, to use, use Red, Red Right Hand? Yeah. So I brought it up, and it's just and that perfect. The, the person that I was watching it with, they're like, they do that four times in the original one. And I'm like, they do not. They it's only it the one. Once. They play once. it once. <laughs> also, the other thing that really dates this movie, I was like, there's a prominent Dave Matthews band. Use. There really <laughs> is. You're like, oh, in 1997, yeah. <laughs> And it's they're at the they're at a uh, you know frat party or whatever. Sure. So I was like, yeah, that 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 tracks. <laughs> but the the real thing for for Tyler and I. I oh, mean, indeed. We, I don't know if you watched. Did you watch through the credits? Uh, are you talking about the cover from the band that I saw at my first concert? That's not uh, what I'm talking about. Okay. But yes, I know what, you're talking about the less than the Jake. less than Jake cover. Yes, yes. they they do a. Uh, there's a. I was like, oh, all the most terrible bands are on this soundtrack. <laughs> it's like a bad. I think the. I'm sorry. The late '90s are like bad time for music. Sure, in my opinion. Uh, but there's a. 
Darren, you can turn it off now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Darren and Garrett and everybody. Patrick. Um, They're not listening. There's a, yeah, they made it all the way to this point. There's a, there's a cover of I Think I Love You, which is the song that. That's uh, the Lesson Jake cover. Yeah. yeah. That's the one that Jerry yeah, yeah. O'Connell sings. That's Lesson Jake. Yes. Um, but what I was talking about, okay. if you wait further into the credits. Sure. There is a song by Master P. Oh, I did, I did, I did called it. Scream, <laughs> which I immediately promptly looked to see if it was on Spotify so I could add it to our playlist on Spotify that's called like, this movie totally needs a rap song. Uh, yes. Song. Justin and I have often talked about making a label that just releases the proprietary rap songs made for Hollywood releases. <laughs> yes. It's so great. They're and, all official. And like, They're all official. Okay. It's so funny that this one is like buried into the... It's, it's not... <laughs> it's yeah, the, the so Less Than Jake song is first. Yes. And this is like buried in the deep yes. in the credits because it's kind of like this like laid I did back. get to that. It's very bad. It's pretty bad. It's a real bad it's song. It's pretty bad. But it's like laid back, Master P, and it's like scream, and some guy goes, oh, <laughs> like so I like the count. It was like, actually Bella Lugosi. It's gonna, yeah. it, it's it's gonna be at the end of this episode. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, we have a playlist called. It's a public playlist, it's, so if you, you want to find it, it, it's called this. It's called this movie definitely needs a rap track. And if you if you subscribe wow. and listen to that playlist, you will be shell shocked. Oh yeah, that's that's track number one. <laughs> we do have a sequel rights playlist too. Yeah, we have. A I se- only remember to update playlist. it like yeah. every six months, but then I dump all the new like soundtracks. Well, on so- there. sounds like you have to put a less than Jake soundtrack. But, yeah, uh, I will. you're you're gonna hear "Scream" by Master P and uh, Silk the Shocker uh, at the end of this episode. Beautiful. <laughs> wow. I couldn't. Le- I, we couldn't leave it without. No, talking. you could not. Because when that came up, I was like, "Holy <laughs> yeah, shit!" Yeah, I was. I, I was very excited. I was like, about I don't this. think this one's in the playlist. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> So great. Scream. (laughs) It's real bad. It's real bad. There's an official music video, too. You can check it out. Ooh, okay. But, uh, yeah. um, That's it. I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, And you know what that means. That'll be a wrap. The sequel discussion... To be continued. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. You can't say we'll be back. <laughs> that's right. There, that didn't happen this yeah, time. That's true. But I came. I was like grabbing all the. There's like a couple other sequel things I didn't play here. I'll just play them quick. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then also this one. The yeah. horror genre, genre was, was destroyed, destroyed by sequels. Um, but yeah, when I was going through, I was like, oh my God, this is the perfect one for the end of the <laughs> yeah. episode. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week talking about Scream 3, uh, also directed by Wes Craven. Um, and we talked about uh, it comes from 2000, so it'll be a big jump. And we'll see what's going on there. I am excited to revisit it uh, with, you know, my current eyes. Yeah. Y2K is gross face. So mm-hmm. I want to like... Turn Just, off your computers, yeah. You know, call our shot right now and promise that we will do more than one new franchise <laughs> this year. We absolutely will. I think we okay. can do it. I All think right. we can do it. We're going to do it. I'm, I'm We're not going to rely on callbacks and yeah. check-ins, okay? Right. Yeah. That, that, was a, that was a fluke where there were like four different projects coming back at the yeah. end of the year. <laughs> so anyways, I'm laying that down, and so we need your suggestions for future right. franchises at SequelRights at gmail.com or on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at SequelRights, or find our various Spotify playlists. Indeed. Rate and review us. Uh, 
But also, just go listen to that rap playlist. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do it. The play, you, can look, you can look it up. The playlist is called This Movie Definitely Needs a Rap Track. And there's 45 songs, and it's about three hours of gold. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, three hours of gold. Hey, there's, like, some good stuff in there. Though. Some of those songs have a good verse or two. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, you know, there's a song called Pig Power from the film Gordy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the artist tag team. This that is, you're gonna love. This is uh, a project that uh, I guarantee I've talked about this before. But the Toy Story sing along cassette tape and book had a song called "The Pig Rap," which was <laughs> Ham from Toy Story saying, no. "Do the pig rap." Is that uh, online? Yeah. Okay, I gotta find out. I've never been. A- I looked for it for years during the Napster days and never found it. It may exist again. It's now. like it might be tough because, like, technically, that's not on the film soundtrack. Yeah, no, you don't have to put it in. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just telling you. No, that's that's great. Because pigs rapping. I mean, how often does that happen? And yeah, like uh, yeah, give us like Babe three said, hasn't come out yet. Give us suggestions <laughs> for the uh, for the sequels. If there's if there's like a sequel coming out this year, we love talking about like the new movies. Yeah, and everything. getting so, people catched up. If there's something that you want to, you know, hear us talk through, let us know. Beast Wars. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. If we did the Transformers, I think some people might pass away. Yeah. <laughs> but then Darren will come on the podcast. Darren. <laughs> second um, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Darren, yeah. if you're listening, email sequel rights. Yeah. To do it. Do it. All right. Uh, well, we hope you guys enjoyed our talk of Scream 2. We'll talk about Scream 3. Again, no subtitle. Loving it. Loving it. Cruise control. No. Is the E a three? No. Huh? It's just Scream 3. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Nothing else. Nothing else. Uh, we'll be talking about that next week, and we'll see you then. Holla bloody Mary, look in the eyes of the demon. When you see a nun like to keep screaming, I smoke green with the reaper. I'm from the ghetto, got paid with the gat and the beaver. Just a young thug trying to make it. Visualize me in the ghetto when these fools trying to break me. Killing for my weed and my Hennessy. Young feelings when I'm gone won't remember me. Green and women be my pastime. Live the life of the hustler, came up off ghetto rhymes. 17 rounds for the busters. Keep two for the cluckers. I got four, five, nine, sink ass cops. Young homies banging, throwing up signs on my block. In the average age, it's 25. Young homies don't even live to retire or get paid.